because you know that I love to have my fingers in all of the pies. All the pies. You love Every pie, pie fingers. Pie fingers are my favorite fingers. Hi, we're Cutting Class Podcast. Are you interested in skinny dipping with Mao Zedong? How about listening to sexy and suicidal subliminal messages? Maybe destroying an entire city with flaming birds. Or how about having a bowl of anti-pornography cereal? We're two high school history teachers that like to cover the lesser known stories of American and world history. You can check us out on iTunes or anywhere else that you get your podcasts or cuttingclasspodcast.com. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. This is a true crime and horror podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Young-Ray with my lovely co-host, Sunshine Bellon. Hi, everyone. Uh, full disclosure, today I'm accompanied by three somewhat obnoxious dogs, trying to do my best to keep them from being an interruption, but uh, two of them are puppies, so they're going to be an interruption. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, you can hear them. Currently, they're in one of their play fight modes that I'm trying to control, but it's just not going very well. Ooh, I'll get the laser pointer out. That's that's the trick. I forgot. Oh god, laser pointer time. I mean, they've been playing a fair bit for long enough that I feel like they might fall asleep soon. Oh, I hope so. That's the that's always the hope. Of course, um, then I'm going to make you laugh and they're going to start freaking out. So No, they actually, once they're asleep, really do uh, do a pretty good job of staying calm and quiet. Like, they sleep through a lot, which is nice. Uh, oh, that's good. And yeah, hopefully their rampage cycle is almost over. <sighs> it's un- Their rampage cycling gets really unpredictable when they go through growth spurts, and I think that's happening right now. Ah. So, like, sometimes it lasts longer, and then sometimes it's way shorter, and then they nap for, like, days. <laughs> so. so, you should let me know when they're having a nap for days God. episode, and we can do our recording then. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a hyperbole, but still, it's it's pretty <laughs> <sighs> God. Talk to me about spooky clowns, please. <laughs> yeah. So, so, we are finally getting into the darker side of things. We had a couple of episodes of uh, this is spooky because we say so. Yes, because we insist this is actual because spook. We, I insist. I promise. I it's swear spooky. it's spooky. I swear. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're going to get into kind of the darker sides of things. So I didn't include it in the last episode. And I guess that's kind of on me. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of doing I was kind of doing like Greek era, yada yada, and and then I did the like immediately after, and then I realized that this episode is basically Victorian era. Ooh, like we're, yeah. So we're basically doing pre nineteenth century for this episode. How lovely! But I do have to put in a little bit of more theater background that is. Ooh, extra lovely. Century. So we get Um, like theater history and Victorian spooky clowns? Yes. Yes, very much so. Ooh, how lovely. 
Dickensian spooky clowns, and then Dickensian clouds. Yeah, Dickensian. Okay, I think that's, so that's the like only right way before can... the Victorian era. Yeah, basically. So, what would Dickensian be? Like, give me a date range. Um, like late 1700s to early 1800s and then victorian era would have been in the 1900s pre-19 so like late 1800s late 1800s okay like the last like what 20 years 30 years um well it's it's victorian because of queen victoria so however long she was around but i mean basically like oscar wilde silly dresses with corsets and the big butt thing that that sort of area it, it is kind of funny it is literally based on like there was a queen of england during this time yeah i but never it, i guess that makes sense but i never even considered that like the victorian era would be named for the queen time victoria. during which queen victoria was alive uh yeah yeah it's um, um in- interesting completely unrelated to this episode but queen victoria was a bit of a weirdo and she slept with a post-mortem photo of her husband, Prince Albert. That's kind of weird. Over her bed. Over her bed. Yeah, because that was a thing that was the, you know, you wouldn't get pictures because the it was so expensive and making people sit still and all that jazz. Yeah, so you get nice pictures of them when they die. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and so, so like post-mortem photography... We'll have to do like a mini episode on that or something <sighs> because postmortem photography is like a thing, and they would cl- they would prop you up, and sometimes they would uh, they would open your eyes, oh. and then they would literally paint the irises onto the image. It's some spe- spooky shit. Yeah, I don't like that. I love it because I'm broken, but um, oh yeah, I don't like that yeah, at all. Queen Victoria slept with a postmortem photograph of her husband prince albert over her bed and then there's an there's a somewhat famous image that i certainly have access to because i have google um but like i it is saved on my computer because i'm weird that is queen victoria's post-mortem photograph of her in her bed with prince albert's post-mortem photograph above her bed it's super meta and dark yeah, I don't like that. I love you it. You should like print that out and put it up in your office or something. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, it is a postmortem photo of a postmortem photo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. A postmortem photo within a postmortem photo. It is like a Russian yes. doll. It is like a Russian doll. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, just like a completely unrelated thing about Queen Victoria and Victorian era. Mm-hmm. is queen victoria was a bit of a weirdo great no judgment on her though because like me <laughs> yeah well i mean that's the thing is people with like relatively mundane upbringings get hella weird i can only imagine how weird one might get growing up in the time and place and station she did yeah yeah i imagine most royalty are pretty weird how could you not be how could you not be it's kind of my like feeling on the whole thing. Like, oh, I mean, we have definitely weird. told some pretty weird royalty stories. Yeah, but 
um, stuff and things. Oh, yeah. So basically, that's the area that we're talking about this episode. But before we get into that, I have to do a little bit more theater history. So we talked about, you know, comedy and tragedy. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about mime and pantomime. Yeah. But I didn't tell you about Commedia dell'arte. Yes, what is Commedia dell'arte? So it's an Italian theater style that was Mm -hmm. popularized between the 16th and 18th centuries. And that would be 17 and 1800s, right? Is that how that works? Or is it the other way around, like 15 and 1600s? Wait. Because I know centuries and like years are offset. I thought of it. Oh, shit. Like the 17th century is not so we are currently in the 21st century <laughs> i hope so <laughs> so i guess the 16th would be 1500s and the 18th would be 1700s yes oh that does make sense okay yes yes so basically this style of theater happens up to where our stories start okay yeah um Wow, we're really showing our fucking, like, stupid hands today. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> bad. like, would you like to see my cards? It's a bunch of jokers. <laughs> I think this is just a PSA for what stress does to the brain. Uh, such an idiot. Okay. Commedia dell'arte, Italian theater, popularized between 16th and 18th centuries. We have figured out what times those were. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this later becomes the Harlequinade in pantomime. Okay. So I kind of told you what pantomime was last time and how it was like taken seriously. But it's become this really silly modern thing as far as like present day, I think Britain. Right, right. One of the neatest components of Commedia dell'arte is the improvisation. Mm hmm. So the story was set. They knew what story they were going to tell. And the entrances and exits were set as far as characters. Right. But quite a bit of the content itself was improvised. Right. Like, so the actors knew the plot points that they had to Mm -hmm. hit, basically. And then beyond that, it's like, all right, you're going to be here. Like, this is going to be the setting for this scene. Here are the plot points you need to cover. But beyond Mm -hmm. that, you can kind of do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... The the troops usually performed these shows like traveling. They were you know mm-hmm. traveling theater troops, right? We've and talked so, about them before. Mm-hmm. And and this was them, and so it has a lot of the the stuff that we talked about before, where it would have these like recognizable caricatures of stock characters. Yeah. Um, like a lot of times they had masks, and there was almost no like proper scene mm-hmm. as far as like the stage went yeah, yeah, yeah. because they were traveling yeah and so another cool thing about this is that although these were like stock character caricatures they were usually brought to life by the s- distinct actors who played them mm-hmm so, like, there was a certain person who created Il Capitan and yeah. Il Dottore, you know, okay, the doctor okay. and the captain, right? Mm-hmm. And so... But then once those characters were created, like... They became was... characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so the role of the clown mm-hmm. comes from the character of the Zani. 
The Zani. So Zani is also where you get the name Zany from. Okay. And the Zani was a stock servant character. Mm-hmm. And they were usually played by acrobats. Okay. Yeah. And the Zani were the fools. Mm-hmm. But they weren't they weren't the only fools and they weren't the only stock servant character. Okay. They were specifically the fool stock Oops. servant character. You okay. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sometimes they were like completely dim-witted and that was their thing. They were just idiots and they were meant to be the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were these like clever, even kind of treacherous practical jokers. Oh, okay. You know, kind of a, how we run the gamut of like different kinds of clowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and the Zani had distinctive characters within that archetype. Okay. So one example is Pedrolino, which later becomes Piero for French. Mm-hmm. Piero, I think. Um, but that's for later. We'll get into that. Okay. Then this is kind of like a tragedy of Commedia dell'arte. Mm-hmm. Is that its decline was literally lost in translation. What do you mean? So a lot of the humor was this clever wit. Mm-hmm. It was this like verbal component in like the actors making really, really clever verbal jokes. Mm-hmm. And because they were traveling performers, it didn't translate to foreign audiences. Oh, of course not. That makes perfect sense. Idioms don't translate well. Right, yeah. And also, like, if you're an Italian in, like, I don't know, rural Germany or some shit, nobody's going to know what you're saying. Yeah. And so the comedy became entirely physical. Oh, interesting. So it bastardized the comedy. But then it also, like, because, I don't know, because comedy kind of waxes and wanes and what people want from it, mm-hmm. the just physical comedy became dull. And so the art itself kind of died out. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Because so physical comedy kind of alone like a, isn't like, I'm sure when it was new, people were like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. But people even, loved it. They ate it up. Physical comedy alone. Yeah. It can't really hold up a show. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's it's just kind of interesting having that background and also how it kind of had its downfall because that's kind of what becomes the harlequinade okay i have no idea if i'm pronouncing that right because we don't have these in america (laughs) (laughs) but the harlequinade definitely came from commedia dell'arte okay it's just a subs it, it is almost exclusively dumb jokes and physical slapstick humor okay so we're gonna get into that uh right now okay so we're gonna get into joseph grimaldi grimaldi we're finally doing actual proper right clowns awesome so joseph grimaldi is considered the first clown okay we have the like role and the archetype of the fool and the jester and all of that before him but He's the first, like, professional clown. He changed the clown into what we know modern okay. as yeah, yeah, the yeah. clown. Right, right. So he he used intensely physical draining slapstick mm-hmm. in pantomime, which we'll get into in his life. 
uh, as well as comical songs where he was the guy who popularized audience participation and sing-alongs. Oh, okay. Which is kind of how the pantomime has become like a children's show. Right. All right. Yeah. But I mean, think about like older shows and older humor. Like this did not used to be children's show. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But his biggest change to clowning was he invented the white face clown. Oh, so that's where we get that. Yeah. So his his makeup was full white face with like flamboyant, like little additions, like the weird cheeks. I think I posted some pictures in your outline that I will upload to our Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had the silly face. He had all of his body was covered in white. Um, and then he had like the bright red lips and mm. the bright red cheeks. Um, yeah, the little triangle cheeks. The little triangle cheeks. He also added like the flamboyant and strange costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weird, you know, like big loud costumes that he's mm-hmm. wearing. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, big loud costumes were already present, but, like, he kind of stylized it in a way that's really distinct for yeah his whole steez. Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And he was an insanely successful clown. And how, like, did he make a lot of money? Is that the idea? Like, he got really rich or what? How do we know he's successful? He was really popular. Okay. Like, everyone knew him. Okay. And I'll kind of get into that. So... So while his career was really successful, Mm -hmm. his life was very tragic. Oh, no. So the first clown has this really dark past. Mm. And I mean, all of all of this episodes, we're not just telling you the history of clowns. We are explaining why clowns are scary. Okay. So am I not going to like Joseph Grimaldi? You'll probably like Joseph Grimaldi just fine, but you'll be sad for him. And you okay. won't like his dad. Okay. I'll be sad for him. And you might not like his son either. <laughs> okay. So for one thing, Grimaldi's memoir was edited and abridged by Charles Dickens. Huh. Okay. So Dickensian. Yeah. And that is to say... I, I mean... Yes, Dickens abridged it Mm -hmm. and so he added his kind of dickensian flair but also his life was pretty dickensian what do you mean at every positive turn there was a sad tragic backstory to it you know yes with every success there's a failure with every with every win there's a there's a tragic something something that has to come with it you know right yeah yeah i forget what that's called there's a word for that Dickensian. <laughs> well, not for that style of story, but for the quid pro quo of in order to get something like... Oh. Karma? No, oh. that's not right. Because it's no. not like, if you get a good thing, your life has to suck. Yeah, that's not what karma is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. I hope not, anyway. In order to maintain the balance of the universe, you must suffer in order to uh, be successful in your career. That does kind of give, because uh, there's that belief that you have to suffer t- for your art. Yeah. You know, you have to be absolutely bonkers to mm-hmm. to be an artist, or you have to be, art. like, the saddest person ever. Right. And I'm just going to come out there. I don't think that suffering takes away from your art, but you don't have to suffer to create art. No, I don't. I would agree with I'm that. I'm just going to put that out there. 
So let's let's get into his life. Yes. So J- Joseph Grimaldi comes from a line of performers. His okay. grandfather, and this is like my favorite thing ever, his grandfather was both a dentist and mm-hmm. a somewhat famous dancer. That's cool. Dentist dancer. Dentist dance dancer. for me, dentist. Well, they didn't really get a lot of oral hygiene back then, so I think a dentist would probably, you know, ride his carriage in the town to pull like three molars and then be like, all right, well. Uh, Dancing time. Yeah. What else are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, back then, honestly, until like proper anesthesia was invented, dentistry was just pulling teeth. Yeah. Literally. That's all it was. Yep. Because nobody is going to sit there while you drill on their face if you can't put them under. Probably like pulling teeth and maybe like applying poultices. Yes. I bet they did that. Oh, yeah. So that's his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And his father, uh, Joseph... Giuseppe Grimaldi. Uh, you know so, what? I didn't even see that in the outline. I don't even know if it's there, but I was like, I think I'm hoping, hoping that somebody named Giuseppe would call come up. It's like, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Why Giuseppe? Because Giuseppe Grimaldi. It's like <laughs> you are ridiculous. Italian. <laughs> I love you. So he was um. born early 1700s. His mm-hmm. his exact date of birth is not known. Because, you know, ye old, yeah. But between 1710 and 1716. So okay. 1713-ish. And he was a famous pantomime mm-hmm. in Italy and France and then England. Wow. Joseph Grimaldi was born. Okay. And Joseph's mother, Rebecca Brooker, was mm-hmm. also a dancer. But her oh. story sucks. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Uh, Giuseppe was an absolute bastard. Great. In 1773. And this is his grandpa. No, this is dad. Okay, dad. Dad. Yeah. 1773. He was born in 1713. Mm-hmm. That makes him 60. 13, 17, 13. Giuseppe was a dance instructor and Rebecca apprenticed under him. Mm-hmm. While Rebecca was still under 14, oh no. Giuseppe took her on as one of his many mistresses. Great. I, at 14 year olds, I don't think you should call them a mistress. Yeah. I guess at that time you could, but like that's not a at mistress. At that time you could, but now uh, Giuseppe started raping his underage apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Is the actual way of saying it. Yes. So in December 1778, Rebecca, who I think would have still been under 18, gave birth to Joseph Grimaldi. Mm-hmm. Giuseppe would have been like 65. Damn. That's so yuck. That is, that's nuts. And I'm pretty sure that Joseph Grimaldi was Giuseppe's first son. Mm-hmm. But he still continued to live with another mistress for the first few years of Joe's life. Oh, yeah. So he did not do the knocked her up, got to marry her and move in with her thing. Not even remotely. Weird. Because he still had another family with like a daughter. I think that it's said that he gave that, that he fathered at least 10 children with at least three women. Okay. He was a disgusting old man. Gross. Is basically. Yeah. So 
So he continues to live with a different woman Mm -hmm. until Joseph's little brother, Jean Baptiste, was born. Jean Baptiste. So French. So I guess, I know, right? So I guess now that he has two sons, Mm -hmm. he decides to move in with, with Rebecca. Huh. That said... He's a bit of a bastard, so, I, you know, he's providing more, but he's also present. Right, which is not right? great. <laughs> not great. So Giuseppe took Joseph on stage for the first time at the age of two. Okay, that seems appropriate. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst, but it is kind of awful. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph actually became a quick fan favorite. Yeah, cute and baby. He even earned a weekly salary from the theater. Oh, wow. So that's kind of cool if it weren't for the fact that it's like, that's child labor. But yeah, I guess which, that's like, the same thing with era, children though. actors. Yeah, and yeah. for that era, as far as like, you know, what happened to as kids far as child, child labor, labor goes. Eh, not the worst. Whatever. Yeah. Although ugh, it kind of is the worst. So, so Joseph was raised on stage. Mm-hmm. And his father was pretty harsh with his punishments mm-hmm. when Joseph didn't meet expectations. So so that was him, like, with his kids on stage. Right. He, w- he was just pretty harsh with his punishments. He would also, like, hang them above the rafters. Like, threatening to drop them, kind of hanging them? He'd, like, put them in a cage and, That's... like, hold them up above the stage. Why? As a punishment. That's, uh, that's, that's extreme and very scary. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. It's not great. So this is Giuseppe. This is Giuseppe. Yeah, he's, he's not a good man. He's a bit of a bastard. Giuseppe was also a very morbid man. Hmm. He had this tendency to take his kids walking through graveyards. Okay. And he would, he would, he would go around and he would look at the graves and he would guess how individuals had died. Hmm. Which is just kind of creepy. Yes. Well, it kind of fucked up to do with your kids, I think. Kind of fucked up to do with your kids. Yeah. Like, doing that with your buddy in high school is one thing. Doing it with your children, that's Right, because high schoolers that's are morbid. That's pretty not great. And, like, that's just High schoolers they, yeah. are morbid, yeah. He's obsessed with death. And even more so, he was terrified of being buried alive. Oh, interesting. That was a thing that used to happen to people. It was, exactly. We talked about that in one of our episodes. And his will demanded that his daughter behead him before his body be buried, just to be sure. So not, like, make sure I'm alive, don't bury me if I'm alive, but make sure I'm dead. Yeah, make sure I'm dead. Ooh. He was a fucking crazy dude. Bit of a bastard. Bit of a bastard. Bit of a bastard. So, luckily and unluckily, Joseph's father died in 1788 mm-hmm. when Joseph was nine. Wow. Leaving him as the primary breadwinner for his household. Holy shit. Because he was technically working and he was the oldest of the kids and his father was dead. Man. Yeah. Did they behead him? I think so, but I'm not sure. I hope so. I only ever found what they what he said in his will. I never actually found what happened. Right. With the the actual thing. But so Joseph actually ended up becoming famous for his role in the Harlequinade mm-hmm. as the clown. Okay. So 
I talked about the Harlequinade, mm-hmm. but I didn't really tell you what it is. Okay, yes, you did not. So the Harlequinade was distinguished by having fairly impressive sets. Oh, really? Because it was just set in one theater. It wasn't right. a traveling group. Right, that makes sense. And it had four main characters, two star-crossed lovers, the villain, Pantaloon. Pantaloon. And, and this is a quote, his titular manservant, the incorrigible emblem of gross sensuality, the clown. The, what emblem of gross sensuality? The incorrigible emblem of gross sensuality. The incorrigible emblem of gross sensuality. I think that's like what what Sam would be when he wrestles with me just to goose me. <laughs> I think you need to quote that at him. Yeah, I know. Incorrigible emblem of gross sensuality. Yeah, I need to remember that. <laughs> You're being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. So so that was his character. He was the clown, you know? Mm-hmm. And the physical humor in this was also the origin of the term slapstick. So basically the sets were these super elaborate, like impressive sets. Mm -hmm. And Harlequin, who Harlequin was one of the star-crossed lovers. It was Harlequin and Columbine. Okay. And so that's where I was wondering if there was a connection there with like Harlequin, like Harlequin, like the Marvel or I'm sorry, the DC character. Well, well, Harlequin is like a jester with like, it's like a motley jester. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so that's where Harley Quinn comes right. from. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and his character had like a magic stick or some shit mm-hmm. and he would hit the stick, the stage with it and the set would change. Oh, cool. And so that's where slapstick comes from. Oh, so that's, that's just a like way a cool... that's a way uh, cooler origin than I thought. Yeah, it isn't be. it fun? Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting that like the first clown was also involved in the creation of the term slapstick, which is like literally part of like part of clowning. clowning community. Yeah, yeah, community comedy. Eh. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Joseph took the clown and made him a fan favorite. Because he was he was super funny, he was a good singer, and he was a talented physical comedian. Right, you said it was physically demanding. It was very physically demanding. And this is when he created the costume and makeup for the character. Okay. Now, the physical comedy took a huge toll on his body. He... Apparently, so one of his problems was that he probably performed way too much. Right. But also one of his problems, he would fall from high heights. He would get hit over the head with stuff. Like a lot of his physical comedy was physical. It wasn't like stage. It wasn't like like WWE wrestling. It was like. Well, WWE wrestling is actually still pretty pretty physically demanding. Well, no, I mean, it wasn't that in physical in the sense of like, this takes a lot of muscular energy for me to make it look like I'm fucking somebody up without doing it or getting fucked up without actually doing it versus like physical like jackass where they actually like get hit with shit and their body takes abuse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Get hit with shit in like a non-controlled kind of way. Like, that's what the physical element of wrestling is, is that control. But I mean, like, the 
I mean, even WWE, you still do have a tendency for uh, traumatic brain injuries. Oh, I know. I'm saying, you know, the, the it's more like the traumatic brain injury, though. It, it's different. It's they're still controlling the physical side of wrestling comes in to the skill of them trying to control what they do. Right. Versus like, you know, the ability to get hit over the head with something. Yeah. I'm not sure how, how much control there was involved. So much as, like, basically, I don't know where he sits between Jackass and World Wrestling. Right. But somewhere. Somewhere. He's yes. in those. Yes. He's definitely getting <laughs> He's on that injured. spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely, like, getting hit over the head with stuff. He's definitely falling from huge heights. He's, you know, all of that jazz. And, and, and big wild gesticulating kicks and shit like that right and apparently he would do a performance and have to be like carried off stage after the end of the performance holy shit so he gave his last performance at the age of 45 and if you recall his father was performing into his 70s okay so that's early that's mad early yeah it definitely gives you an idea of how physical his routines must have been compared to his father's. Yeah. And I didn't put that in your outline. I'm going to pull it up. So his last performance, he gave sitting down for the whole show because his body was too weak to stand for the whole show. Wow. I just posted the image to you. Uh, it's an artistic rendition of his last performance. Mm. Look at how fucking, like feeble and tragic he looks yeah that's sad yeah even though it's like a cartoonish kind of you know depiction it's still like oh yeah i mean it's a cartoonish depiction of a clown but you can still see the feebleness in yeah his character and and that's the whole thing about it is that like he was he just abused his body too much Mm -hmm. you know and so he was just physically real fucked up after i mean basically his entire life clowning yeah you know and that that was just yeah that was technically speaking just his career stuff you know yeah so let's get into his shitty life stuff yeah let's do that (laughs) so in 1800 so i think he would have been in his early 20s his first wife Mm -hmm. maria Died during childbirth. Oh. With his first child. They both died. That's sad. And of course, he responded by throwing himself further into his work by performing two shows a night. Right. Like you do. Like you do. And then in 1802, his wife Maria gave birth to his only son, Joseph Samuel, who I think became J.S. Grimaldi at that point. And Joseph also brought up J.S. on stage, teaching him the art of clowning. Mm -hmm. But I think it was a much more, I'm going to try to be a good dad way than his own dad did it. Well, one can hope anyway. Yeah. I I recall him like, he knew that his son should get an education. So he did specifically like send him to school and shit. Yeah. So he was at least trying to be a better father. Yeah, that's cool. But he also was like, here, this is the fucking family job. I'm going to teach you how to do the clown, the family job. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, that was like kind of cool and all, except for because of the nature of their profession and because Joseph Grimaldi was such a famous performer, they were often compared to each other in reviews of their shows. Right. And JS really resented this and took up drinking. Oh, no. So his son was an alcoholic. And here's an image that's basically them performing together. Right. I wonder if that was after you explained yeah, this one, so, I wonder if that was him. You know, old clown, young clown. Yeah. Right. Also, in 1804, Joseph's brother mysteriously disappeared after visiting him on a performance night. Hmm. He just visited him and then was never seen again. Did he murder him? Probably not. They think that... So so the, the theories on what happened to his brother, John Baptiste, mm-hmm. um, are one of two. W- one is that, you know, he just was murdered. You right. know, he just went missing. And then, you know, back then it was kind of hard to do proper forensic work. Yeah. And another possibility is that he was Shanghai'd, which is where a bunch of people fucking beat you up or get you drunk. And, and then- stick you on a French foreign legion boat. And yep, stick you on a boat and are like, all right, you're on a boat now. I guess you have to be part of this crew. Yep, guess you got it if you want to survive. You're on a boat. Can't get out of this. Yep. You're in the ocean. (laughs) So that was a thing that used to happen. So they think that might have been what happened is that he was Shanghai'd. Hmm. Which I hope isn't an insensitive term. It probably is if it's an old term. Yeah, that's true. Um, then to make it even more tragic, in 1830, J.S. died at the age of 30, Hmm. presumably from alcohol poisoning or some alcohol-related issue. (sighs) That sucks. So Joseph Grimaldi loses his only son at a super young age. And, like, he had kind of been that, like... That shitty alcoholic son. Yeah. So he was like in and out of debtor's prison. He was in and out of home and he was like stealing from his parents. And when he was living with his parents, he'd invite over other alcoholics and they'd trash the house. Right. And it was just all of the like tragic shit that you deal with when your child is an addict. Yeah. And then he dies from his addiction. How nice. It's just another tragic thing. Yeah. And then... His wife, Mary, died in 1834. So he outlives both his wife and his son. Both of his wives. Both of his wives and his son and all of his children. Actually, I don't know if he had other girls. But his first child and his son, both of his wives, possibly they were daughters. Possibly they were daughters. But we don't talk about girls in history because girls aren't important. Exactly. I can't even believe we're talking (laughs) about it right now. Well, I can't believe we're even talking about it. So Joseph spent the last few years of his life depressed and drinking. That's so sad. Super sad. That also could really fuck with your strength and ability to stand on stage. Like, yeah. that could easily be, like, an alcohol issue and not, like, his early death and inability to perform standing up could easily mm-hmm. be an alcohol-related issue rather than a straight-up, like, physical limitation because of years of doing clowning, which I'm sure was there. But yeah. also, like, I feel like 
prolonged <sighs> alcoholism it, fucks you up physically. I don't know if he was a prolonged alcoholic. I don't know that he started as an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that they probably fed into each other because yeah. one of the ways that people deal with physical pain is by drinking away their cares. Yeah, that's true. You know? You get drunk, it doesn't hurt so much. Yep. So he died in 1837. And I am terrible, but I thought that this was so fun. The coroner listed his cause of death as a visitation by God. Visitation by God. <laughs> A visitation by God. So, like, most likely he probably died of, like, a heart attack or something. Right. But <laughs> that's... I just love that that's what was listed on his death certificate. Yeah. okay. A visitation by God. It's telling about the era, I suppose. Yeah. So, Grimaldi's humor, he was self-aware as mm-hmm. to the fact that, like, he was a sad clown. Yeah. You know, he was a fun character that everybody loved and received joy from but his life fucking sucked right and he kind of leaned into that persona or just Mm -hmm. well i guess not persona but just well he has a quote about i am grim all day grimaldi Mm -hmm. i am grim all day but i make you laugh at night but i make you laugh at night that's great yeah grimaldi yep yep and uh there's another story of, and you know, this goes back to like his popularity thing. There's another story of he was seeing a doctor about his depression because mm-hmm. he also had lifelong depression. And the, you know, he was like, I don't know what to do about this doc. And apparently the doctor didn't know who he was talking to, he who he was seeing because, you know, his face makeup on stage was so prominent. Yeah. And the doctor was like, well, how about you go see a show? And Grimaldi was like, what show should I go see? And he was like, well, I hear that Grimaldi fellow is really funny. Ugh. And he was like, ah, that sucks that I cannot entertain myself by watching my own show. <laughs> oh, that sucks. That's, yeah, upsetting. So, so we did, we did Grimaldi, we did the humor, we did all of that sadness, yes. right? All of that sad, so, sad humor. All of that sad, sad. So, meanwhile, in France... I thought for a second that I might remember how to say meanwhile in France. I don't know if you, in French, I don't, I don't know if you saw my face where I was like, uh, uh, I, uh. I, I saw you kind of make a moment. I don't speak a lick of French, <laughs> which is extra funny because I'm going out for a French character, but he said it's okay if I have an American accent. So I'm trying both. <laughs> oh, great. Great. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Didn't but, we um, meet in junior high French class? No, we took we that had together. this conversation oh. somewhat recently, oh, okay. like on the podcast. Oh shit! That I did not take French with you. Oh okay. I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember you being like, "Didn't you take French with me?" And I was like, "No, only Spanish." And you were like, "Oh, <laughs> yep, that's not coming back." But I'm a, I'm a little bit weirded out. We didn't take French together. Who did I take French with that I liked? I have no idea. And I think it's really funny that you have continued to think that oh, I take yeah, French I to- with I you. Oh, yeah, I totally... And that it has literally come up in the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, like, that's just, like, a false memory I've implanted in my own head. And I don't know if it's ever going to go away, to be perfectly honest. I love I it. I think that's just reality now, so deal with it. That... Brains are fucking wild. Yeah. I I, fra- so. I, I, I chose my words And it's not like we didn't take a bunch of other classes yeah. together. So... It makes sense that your brain is like, yep, French with Alex. Yep. Even though Alex doesn't speak a lick of French. Not even a touch. 
Yeah. Those R's, why do they make him like that? <laughs> how do they, how do they R? How do they R? <laughs> that's still my biggest, that's still my biggest challenge with French. Mm-hmm. So yeah, meanwhile in France. Okay. Jean Gaspard de Barou? De Barou? De Barou. That's what I would say. I would say Jean Gaspard de Barou. Jean, Jean Gaspard de Because I think... Okay. J-E-A-N looks like Jean, but I think it's like Jean. Jean. Jean Gaspard oh, Devereaux. Jean Valjean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Jan Valjan. <laughs> Dan Valjan. <laughs> so, okay. So this guy, Jean Gaspard Devereaux, was alive from 1796 to 1846. Okay. So not a terribly long life, but not terribly short either. He was a French mime, but he was born in Bohemia, which is now the Czech Republic. Okay. To a family of acrobats. Lovely. So remember how I was talking about how the Zani were usually played by acrobats? So he was born to a family of acrobats. He was basically raised in traveling performance. Okay. And he took the character Pierrot. Which I mentioned was one of the classic Zani characters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he made it his own. So kind of like Grimaldi, but French. Mm-hmm. And uh, the character Piero is a, a little bit of a doltish character. He's one of mm-hmm. the more like dim-witted side yeah. of the, the Zani. Um, but he kind of added some cleverness to the character. But still, there was that dim-witted side. Right. Like that, there has to that, be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally he would have just been, like, one of the important additions to miming. Yeah. And to pantomime and to the harlequinade. A notable character. A notable character. But he was also a murderer. Of how many people? Just one. Of wh- whom? Whom so, did he murder? So after he, you know, really became Pierrot or Perro? Perrot. Perrot? Okay. That's what I would say. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I'm right or not. I, That's just what I would say. Well, I have heard it pronounced Perrot, so it probably is Perrot. Okay. So after after the creation of Perrot, after he really, like, made Perrot his own... A young boy came up to uh, Devereaux mm-hmm. and made fun of him as if he were Perrault. Oh, but while he was not in character. Right. He, you know, it was just like, ha ha, you're a dimwit. Yeah. Well, he was just out and about. And Devereaux whacked him over the head with his cane so hard that the boy died. Oh, so he's a child murderer because of his fragile he's a ego. Child murderer because of his fragile ego. That's and terrifying. He was taken to court, and apparently hundreds of people flocked to the courtroom to hear the mime speak. Of course, isn't that cool? I mean, I feel terrible, but that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool, yeah. But you're also yeah. terrible, and <laughs> I'm also terrible. And uh, and he was acquitted. 
I'm not sure why he was acquitted. Maybe because it was like justifiable homicide or they considered it manslaughter or something. Or they were like, yep, uh, we whip kids with canes all the time. It's not your fault we it died. kids with canes all the time. It's not your fault it died. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of like part of the legacy of like the history of the clown. Right. Is early on in the creation of clown... There was a murderous clown. That's, yeah, great. Unfortunate, yep. but great. So I I didn't have a ton of information on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, partially because most of the sources that I found were still in French. Oh. And like I said, I don't speak a lick. Don't speak a lick. <laughs> don't speak a lick. So, you know, I got I got enough of the story to kind of give you the story, but I can't do that, like, deep dive thing that I like to do. Right, because even with Google Translate, like... Uh, you it's know, not great. It's, it's not, not great. Good enough. And to, like... It's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> to try to read an entire book, like, written by the Google bot? Yeah, no, no way. No thanks. No way. I'm not interested. That sounds terrible. And I think we're going to call it there. Okie dokie. But keep his story in mind for our next episode okay okay great because something like this is gonna come up clowns accidentally murdering children as a theme i mean not clowns accidentally murdering children but like murderous clown the persona like just Mm -hmm. keep that in your head i'll just keep that tucked away Cool. Cool, cool, cool cool all right and then I think that's it for now. Okay. Uh, we're probably going to announce a new schedule soon, and Ooh. it's going to be super fun and exciting, because uh, especially for Spoopy Month, we want to get more in, and also- More content. Know, like more to, content. Yeah. So, you know, we'll still be doing our thing where I deep dive and we chat up, but hopefully we can upload a little more. Yeah. We just want to talk to you guys more cool. often, that's all. We just want to talk to you guys. It's just fun. <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, okay, anyway, um, what else do I want to say before we go? I would like to say thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. It is the month of great spoops, so please enjoy yourself out there. And if you want to help us out, then giving us a uh, rate and review on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Donating to our Patreon or our coffee. Coffee, 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 coffee. <laughs> um and if you want to chat us up you can follow us on our social medias everything is palm pitch pod or you could join us on the discord server we have a channel there yay the podcast junkie discord server that's so cute it's so cute so yeah that's us and that's been part a million d of scary clowns yay <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening and uh KA, I love you bye. Love you bye. <laughs> <laughs>